Cool. Um, the, the other thing is just real quick, next steps is next week. Uh, that's, a, that's a class that we really encourage everyone to take. Um, it's basically a class that goes through uh, just what it, what it means to be a part of MBF. If you're going to make this your church home, we talk everything about a little bit of our history, our beliefs, um, things that you can get involved in, how we would like to see you get involved, um, what we hope for you in your life if you're going to be a part here. Um, so we would really encourage you to come to this class. It's after second service next Sunday, and there's some light snacks uh, kind of provided that can get you through to, uh, so you can have lunch late if you're, if you're coming right after second service. But anyway, we'd love to have you uh, for next steps next week. Um, hey, before we get into this message, uh, I wanted to just kind of give an update on our Honduras trip. We took 11 people to Honduras with us um, to our partner church in Penasquitas, um, Penosquitas is the name of the church, and in Nueva, Florida, uh, which is right outside San Pedro Sula. And we've been partnering with this church for about a little over five years. And um, so far, what we've been doing is partnering in just kind of a child sponsorship program where we sponsor the children up to about 12 years old, uh, making sure that they have food, um, that they have clothing and basic education and basic medical um, uh, care. And that's kind of been our main focus. And then we go down once a year and help with, with work projects and that kind of thing um, and really help them kind of look at what does what their future entail and what are they trying to accomplish with the ministry down there. Um, so we've developed this partnership over the last few years. And this trip was just a really exciting trip for many, many reasons. Um, the first was, uh, for me, quite honestly, on a personal uh, level, I brought my, my brother came, and I've been praying for my brother for years, um, and about three years ago, he started kind of opening himself up to a relationship with Christ, and uh, he agreed with to bring his family on this trip with us, and um, it was just so exciting for me personally to see him engage with that. And so on a personal level, it was just awesome. I got to baptize him in a river down there with about 15 of the people that we were baptizing down there. And uh, so on a personal level, uh, a lot of awesome things. But um, also because of the partnership. You know, we've been partners long enough now where it really felt like the relationship was, it was very solidified, um, and we're all kind of ready to say, hey, we, we want to all move forward together. And so the last time we were there, we encouraged Pastor Mario um, and his wife Velma to really think about what would they like to see in the future? What, what would be their hope and dream? What do they believe God is calling them to and to pray over that? And we, kind of, we told them, we want to help you achieve that vision. And to understand this, you have to understand that I mean, you're, you're dealing with a people that their vision every day is to get through that day. Um, that the, the level of poverty that they're dealing with is, can I get through the day? Can we make sure our family eats? And can I make sure I have some sort of form of way to make a little money tomorrow so that we can eat again tomorrow? And um, so the idea of thinking ahead and, and planning for the future is kind of a difficult thing, but but we've been working with him and kind of communicating over the last couple of years to say, hey, 
really start to do this. And it was a neat trip because we felt like this trip, we really solidified that. And so the next phase that Mountain View is going to partner with them is we're going to work to buy some land down there. Um, and we're going to build a teen center. And this is something that they've, they've really come up with and they believe is the next step. And as we looked at the whole thing, it really makes sense. Because what happens is these kids, they graduate, they get out of the program at about 12 years old, and they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anything to do. Um, they've learned no skills. They have no skill to make themselves a marketable person out and to make any money. Um, and in that culture, really by the time they're 13 or 14, many of them are kind of pushed out of their homes because they're one more mouth to feed, and especially the boys, the dads kind of say, hey, you, you're on your own at this point, and they, they push them out. And so these kids go down to the city, try to make money um, to live, and it's very difficult. They end up in gangs. They end up involved in drugs. Um, the girls that get pushed out, many of them get end up in prostitution. Many of the girls that aren't pushed out and living within the homes um, about that age start to experience sexual abuse from either their dads or other people within the, the community. Um, it, it's a very difficult situation for these kids. So we thought, well, we want to not just take care of the little kids, but we want to help the community actually get a leg up and, and make movement forward. And so this, this center, the idea behind it is we're, we're, we want to see children be sponsored, not just up to 12, but all the way through to about 16. And they will go to a trade school the, the pastors down there, they found a, a Christian trade school um, where basically some other churches, that's their, their mission opportunity down there. Um, it's a Christian trade school where they can learn electricity, air conditioning, mechanics, um, beauty, hair, um, uh, designing dresses, um, cooking, um, English, and computers. And those are the different trades that they teach at the school. They would go for about three hours in the morning, have lunch and that kind of thing there, and then be transported back and be able to stay on this teen center campus. And the idea would be that we'd have a multi-purpose room, a kitchen, uh, as well as, as two classrooms, and then there they would be taught another hour of English. Um, they basically, if, if they can learn English, they can, they can pretty much double anything that they can make financially, even if they're doing another trade. Um, and then they'd have an hour of not just Bible, but, but Christian living kind of, you know, discipleship. Um, so they'd have an hour of uh, English, an hour of discipleship. Um, they'd be fed dinner. Um, it'd be some fun, you know, maybe have a playing field where they can play soccer, do some things. But then anyone who has a bad home situation can stay on the, in the dorms um, there until they're done with their schooling. Um, anyone that didn't and could stay at home would stay at home. But, but that's kind of our, our, our plan for the future. We'll be talking a lot more about that, but it was just really exciting to start to see that come to life and, and, and uh, just see what was happening. Um, in about four weeks, we'll have a video uh, that we'll play that will show a lot of the details and hear the testimonies of the people that went. Um, and it's very exciting. I share this, though, because 
We've always kind of talked a little bit about this, but I, want, I just want to encourage you, if you're a part of MBF, we want everyone to be a part of this at some level. This is a vision thing for us. So whether it be sponsoring a child, of the 100 or so children that are sponsored there, MBF sponsors about 65 of them. Um, so we as a church sponsor more than half of the children that are sponsored. Um, so we would encourage you, if you're not already sponsoring a child, to do that. Uh, we'll be pushing that when we have the video. We'll be, we'll be having this child sponsorship. We also, it's not just children, you can also sponsor um, senior citizens that are, are in a destitute situation. So there's both that you can sponsor. Um, and the neat thing about it compared to any other child sponsorship program is if you choose to, you can go with us on a trip and visit your child and, and build a relationship with them, which is a really neat thing. But if not, you can still send letters and gifts with us. We take pictures with the kids. It's, it's a really powerful experience. So I really want to encourage you to do to take part of that. But at very least, at the child sponsorship. Um, but if you want to know more about, hey, what would it take for us to, to buy the land and build and that kind of thing, come talk to me. We'd love to share that. We'll be sharing more about that in the future. Um, maybe you want to take on sponsoring one of these teens. We have 10 teens right now who are ready to do this. Um, we wouldn't have the campus yet, but we could send them to the school. Um, and you could even start kind of a mentor relationship with them. We have 10 teens ready to do this, but they need sponsors in order to do it. So uh, maybe that's something you want to do. Let me know about that. Um, I, I'm going to put her on the spot. I'm not going to make her get up here, but Allie Olson's right over there. She went with us on the trip. You can talk to her if you want just a testimony of someone who uh, will strongly encourage you to go, I bet. So uh, with that, um, let's pray and, uh, and jump in. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity for us just to be together this morning to, to dig into your word. God, to experience you. God, I thank you um, for your love for us. And God, as we dig into this new series, that we would just have a desire, Lord, to be a people that bear fruit. Um, not just be a people that, that grow pointlessly or even that really don't experience growth, but are constantly in a situation where we're living barren lives. But God, we would desire to see fruit in our lives through you. And just praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I uh, pulled this off of one of the fruit trees in our yard. I don't know which kind of fruit tree it was because we've only lived there for six months and I can't remember. So, um, <laughs> but I pulled this off and I, as we, as we, you look at this branch, now had I pulled it off in about six weeks from now, you can see there's some little budding here, um, it probably would at least have leaves on it, but it wouldn't have any fruit. But like this, what are the chances of this bearing fruit? None, right? Right? No matter how hard this branch tries, and no fruit is going to grow on this, right? I mean, I could like try to blow fruit through it, you know. Um, we could stick it in water. We could stick it in the ground. Uh, you, you know, we could just, we could really 
will it? You know, a lot of this, that's a big thing today. You know, if you just will things into your life, you know, we could just sit here and try to will it. Um, but, but it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to grow on this branch. And yet, while we know that about this, I feel like a lot of us try to bear fruit in our life the way this branch would be trying to bear fruit if it just decided right now that it was going to try. Nothing's going to make this bear fruit because we know that the only way for this to bear fruit is for it to be connected to the tree, right? Because it's the tree that gives this life. It's the tree that gives this the ability to produce anything. You know, Jesus addressed this in John 15. He said this, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me and bears, that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. He goes on, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to bear fruit. And I, want, I, I did this because I want you to get a picture of this. I want you to kind of think about this branch for the next several weeks as we talk about this. And I want you to think about your own life. Does this represent your life? Are you seeking to do something that really you're unable to do because you're not truly connected to the vine? You're tr not truly connected to the tree. You're not truly connected to the source that really is going to bear fruit in your life. You know about the source. You might even know the source at some level, but you don't really live a life that shows that you're connected to him. And you're out there kind of trying to live your life on your own. Now, if that's you here this morning, and you were to be honest with yourself, and you were to answer, yeah, that's kind of me, that's, that's why we're here. We're not here to judge that. We're not here to point fingers at that. We're not here to say, hey, you know, you, you're, you're messed up. What we're trying to say is, hey, we just want you to look at and examine and think through is, man, would my life, flourish better? Would my life be the life that God intends it to be if I would really make it a priority to see to it that I am connected to the tree? So we have this really cheesy picture up here of a bear and fruit um, to get you to uh, hopefully get a visual here of uh, what we're talking about. We're not talking about bears and, and fruit, though. All right. Um, so, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel empty. Sometimes I just, I, I feel like I'm just kind of dried up inside. Like I really don't have much left in me. Um, I find myself going through the motions in life sometimes. You know, you know, when you just kind of do that, where you just take each day and you do live the day out and but you're not really excited about life. You're not really seeing um, anything happen in life. You're not really seeing um, any real movement 
in life. I, I get that way sometimes. And you know, sometimes it even leads to some depression. Um, it, it definitely something leads to me losing my passion about life when I get that way. And ultimately, if I, if I stay in that spot long enough, it actually leads to me doubting my faith altogether, questioning faith, questioning whether or not I truly believe. And inevitably, what I notice and recognize is that it generally comes from me coming to this place where I start to live life on my strength. And I'm starting to just kind of do it my way. And I'm not focused on what God has for me. I'm just kind of focused on myself. I'm focused on what I want in life. I'm focused on what's best for me the way I see it. And, and what I inevitably find is that I'm not really seeking to be connected. And instead, I'm just kind of out there on my own trying to make it work on my own. And today, I want to talk about Jeremiah chapter 17. Um, Jeremiah chapter 17. I actually didn't look at the slide. Can you? Okay. So it's a, so look that up in your Bibles, NIV, or whatever Bible you have there. Um, this is in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah, God addresses this through Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 17. He says this, he says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man, or is the one, who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Now, before we dig into this, I want to also read this passage from the message the message is a paraphrase. It's not an actual, what you would call a translation of the Bible. Um, it's, it's a paraphrase. It's someone who took the Bible and then they just kind of wrote it in kind of their own modern day language. And we don't ever recommend using that as your, your actual Bible because sometimes that can lose meaning. But there are also times when it can be an, an interesting way of just kind of looking at a passage. Um, and I actually recommend it, man, if, you're, if you have a hard time getting through God's Word, you've never read the Bible, um, or you're new um, to, to faith, I would encourage you to pick up the message. I've, I've known a lot of people that have read it um, as a start to kind of kick them, kick them off um, as a way to get into the, to the Bible because it, it's in a, it's a language that is maybe a little easier um, for them to understand. And I don't know, do we have that in up on for a slide? Okay, let's put that up. It says this, it says, just listen to the way he says this. He says, Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone and sets God aside as dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed on the prairie, out of touch with the good earth. 
He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. But blessed is the one, is the man who trusts me, God, the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers. Never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. Hopefully as you look at that, you, kinda, you can kind of get some visual pictures of what it looks like. Now, when we look at this idea of cursed and blessed, I think we have a tendency to think of cursed as the way God sees us. You know, like God's cursing somebody. Um, but the Bible oftentimes just talks about cursed as someone who's living outside of God. It's not that God wants them to be cursed. God wants them to live a blessed life, but they're living a cursed life because they're living life for themselves. They're living outside of what God wants. And then blessed being anyone who lives in the context of what God wants for them in their life. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, hey, the one who's depending on themselves all the time, the one who's, who's trying to get it done on their own strength is like the barren branch. But the one who seeks after God, that person is living a blessed life. Their life, there's, there's an abundance, there's richness in their life. So let's, let's look at these things this morning and see what we can learn from this. Because what I hope you will see is it really, it all comes down to where you're putting your trust. Where are you putting your trust? That's our first point. Where I place my trust will determine if my life is cursed or blessed. Are you putting your trust in what you can do? Are you putting your trust in your power? Are you putting your trust in someone else? Or are you putting your trust in God? This is what he says here, verse 5. It says, this is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. See, we're, we're cursed when, we, when we're just seeking to live life on our own, when we're like this branch just saying, I'm going to make it happen. But we live a blessed life when we trust in the Lord, when we put our confidence in Him. He goes on, verse 6, he says, that person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Verse 8, though, contrasts the, the blessed life. He says, the blessed person, they will be like a tree planted by the water. It sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. See, because where you put your trust will determine, are you a tumbleweed? Remember the, the message translation that said a tumbleweed? Are you a tumbleweed or are you rooted deep? Are you, just, are you out there just kind of blowing around wherever life takes you, or do you have deep roots? See, deep roots don't fear the wind. Deep roots don't fear drought and, and, and harsh sun. In fact, actually, some trees actually grow stronger. Their root systems grow stronger when, they, when they're in a windy area. They, they grow stronger, they grow further out and deeper when they're in the wind, and so they can continue to withstand more and more wind. Are you someone who can withstand the pressures of life? 
Or do, does, do little things just make you fall? Or quit, quit opening up and close in on yourself? You know, some people, they kind of pride themselves as, no, I can handle anything, right? But they kind of pride themselves on being strong, but their strength is also a weakness in that they push everyone away. Well, the way I deal with it is I just, I just keep everyone at arm's length. I won't be open to anyone. I won't have any deep relationships. That way nobody can hurt me. That's not strength. That's actually extreme weakness in life because we're not meant to live life alone. We're meant to live life together with, with in community and to have deep relationships in this world. And, and we live a life of isolation when we do that, and, and it leads to despair in this life. Are you someone who has deep roots? Or are you constantly just kind of blown around? When, when life hits you, does it knock you over quick? Does it, does it take you out? See, we live in a quick fix world. We live in this world where we, we kind of expect things to, to just be easy, to not have to take a lot of work, right? That's what we want in this life. I've, always, I've said this many times. If you ever want to get rich, figure out a way to make people more comfortable or more lazy, right? If you can make people more comfortable or lazy, you got it. You're going to make a lot of money, right? That's what we want. That's, we keep searching for that. And, and then we wonder why the rest of our life, when the things that really matter in life, we, we're, we're bad at. See, we want this quick fix, but deep roots, deep roots require time, effort, practice, work. They require patience and sometimes even pain. If you want to develop deep roots, you've, you've got to be willing to work through that stuff. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to always suffer. You're going to always end up being pushed around by things. But in this quick fix world, that's really tough for a lot of us. That's, that's tough for us to, to make the decision that we want to work through things, that we want to stick with that. See, and so as a result, we've become a world that settles for change rather than pushing for growth. We settle for change rather than pushing for growth. What do we do? When something gets tough, rather than grow through it, oh, we just change. Oh, ah, man, this is tough. You know, God wants me to be happy. I know God wants me to be happy all the time. My coffee mug says it. You know, that's what God wants. So, so I'm, a, I'm just going to change. Rather than grow and really have achieve what God wants for me, I'll just change it. I see it all the time. We see it in friends. You know, we, there are a lot of people that don't, they don't have any lifelong friends. Why? Because we get in a situation with our friends where they offend us, they, they disagree with us, they, they do something that frustrates us, they make us mad, they, they have a different value system than we do, and regardless of the relationship that we've built, we just go, oh, yeah, that's tough, yeah, forget them, I'm going to go find some more friends. And we just, we change our friends rather than developing roots and having good, deep, lasting relationships. We see it at work, right? We live in a culture where people just change jobs. Oh, I don't like my boss. I just change jobs. Oh, I don't like this. I just change jobs. Oh, I feel, I, I just change jobs. Right? And we, and we change instead, instead of grow and learn, we change. We see it at church. Right? I mean, we, we live in a culture where people like just, ah, just change churches. Right? Ah, oh, that person upset me. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with it. 
So I'm just gonna, I'll just change churches, or at least I'm gonna change which service I go to, so maybe I don't have to sit next to them or see them very often, right? Or I'm gonna change the ministry I'm involved in. Rather than continue in that ministry because it's maybe where God wants me and I'm being fulfilled and there's lots of things happening, I don't want to work with that personality, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna change it. Or the pastor said something upset me, right? He he ticked me off, he 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 rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I disagree with him on this thing, so I'm just gonna change churches. Rather than, hey, I'll talk it through and develop a relationship and try to understand, I'll just change. Rather than grow. Unfortunately, we see it in marriage. Right? My marriage isn't making me happy, I'm not being fulfilled, this is happening, that's happening. I'll just change rather than grow. In fact, I, just, I want to speak on this real quick just for a second. We, we have a lot of marriages that are struggling in the church. They're, they're, they're going through difficult times. And I want, uh, if, if that's you, I want to say this. One, know that we're, our leadership, we're praying for you. I pray for our marriages in this church all the time. And two, I want to encourage you. I want, to, I want you to know that, that God honors that you're working through it. That, you, that, you're, that you're pushing, even when, when, it's, when it's hard, and you, you'd rather just kind of give up. And it would be easier for you right now to just give up. I, I want you to know that God's going to honor that. And, and I want to encourage you to, to keep pushing and keep working and, and keep opening up and do what it takes. Go get counseling. Get, you know, meet, meet with some people. Talk things through. Do what, do what it takes. Because you're going to find that, I mean, my wife and I, there's been at least three periods in our marriage. We've been married for 30 years, and there have been at least three periods. Well, I'll tell you right now, it would have just been easy to say, forget it, and walk. It just would have been so much easier. And yet, each time we've made it through those periods, we both look and go, man, look at what God is creating because we continue to be faithful. Because we continue to work through it. I want to encourage you. Now, on the other side, I want to encourage you. If, if you've gone through a divorce, God can still bless what you're doing. God can still work through you. And you, you know the grass isn't greener. You've probably already learned that, that, that lesson. So I want to encourage you. Just know that getting into another relationship isn't going to make it easier. It's not going to all of a sudden like, oh, I found the right person now. That was it. You know, more often than not, maybe you are becoming the right person and hopefully, you know, um, but, but, but God can still bless it. Okay, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat anyone up, but I just want you to know, man, when you work through it and you develop those roots, God will bless what you're doing. Are you a tumbleweed? Do you just kind of let go and and get blown around every time something hard comes your way? Or do you develop, are you developing deeper roots? Second, he says this, look at verse six. He says, that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where there's no one lives. Versus the blessed person, he says, that person will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. 
See, where you put your trust is going to determine, are you in a desert or are you by the riverbank? Are you in a desert or are you by the riverbank? He also says in verse 5, you know, that cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from the mere flesh, and whose heart is turned from the Lord. That's the person living in the desert. You, do you, are you gaining life from a source outside yourself? Or are you just seeking to gain life from you? That you're going to make it happen. I mean, think about a desert. What's it like in a desert? I mean, sure, I know some people love the desert and it's beautiful in some ways, but it's a barren place. It's a barren place. I have to drive from here to Cal Southern California uh, about once a year. And I'll tell you, I know that lower Utah is kind of a high de desert area and it's you know, not as lush as up here. But I still, I'm, I'm fine with that. It's pretty until I get to Mesquite. Mesquite to San Bernardino the whole time. I literally probably a hundred times go, who lives here? Why? Why? I don't understand. Why? They've just moved. Just get, go move. What would keep you? Right? I, I, I can't even, <coughs> I can't fathom someone saying, yeah, this is, I'm just, this is it. You know? So, but, but, but people do. People do. And yet, it's a barren land. You drive through some parts like when you pass Vegas and you're going to the same thing. You drive by like these hillsides with like eight trailers on it, you know, and a bar, right? And, and, you're, and you're like, and it's like dust is blowing. And, and you know, and I'm not, there, there's, I've, there, we got a trailer park right by our house. Totally different thing. Totally different thing than what I, I mean. So, but it's this, it's this barren wasteland. Is your life like that? Is your life where you're like, yeah, I'm getting by, you know, it's okay, you know, and you just kind of get in the habit of day to day, but there's nothing flourishing, there's no fruit in your life? Or is your life flourishing? Do you see fruit? Do you see God blessing it? Do you see you having an impact on other people? I, coming from uh, Honduras, it got me thinking this week. Um, about poverty mindset, as I was thinking about this message and poverty mindset, and one of the first, whenever you take someone to a, a developing country for the first time, almost everybody asks the same questions. Like we're, we're in a home, uh, one of the older ladies, um, older, she's probably my age. Um, anyway, so <laughs> she wasn't a child. We spent so much of our time with the children, but, um, but we're in our, her home, and you look up. And there's holes in the roof. And, you know, the electrical, if, if they're lucky, they have electrical. And, but she had, and the electrical was two red and black exposed wires running from whoever she got that electricity to an outlet box just kind of hanging, like with a zip tie to, to a board, um, where you plug your little mini, little mini fridge, if you're lucky enough to have. You plug that in, and then you have one other outlet you can alternate between a fan or something if you need it. Um, you know, the floor's dirt with kind of uneven and, you know, and there's little bits of trash different places. And, and so often when people go to a place like that for the first time, they'll look at the roof and they go, well, why don't you just repair the roof? You know, why not get a real wire? You know, why not, why not you know, put something on the floor? And it's hard to get across to people when you're living in a generational poverty 
situation. First of all, this might even be better than you knew growing up. But even then, you look at the roof and you think, well, I guess I could save for a month to buy a piece that would fix that. But then I also have the wire. And I guess I could save for a month to buy a piece to fix that. But then something's going to happen to one of my kids and they're going to need medical situation. All that savings is going to go anyway. And, and, you know, I guess I could find something for the floor. I guess, I, I guess if I worked really hard for about three years, I could get it where I had something on the floor and I had a real wire and I had my roof where there was no holes in it and, you know, and I could have that. And then chances are we'd still come in as American goods. Well, why didn't she put sides on the, you know, we'd still come in with something. But in that generational poverty mindset, that's, it, it's, it's extremely difficult to say, you know, I'm going to work. Every once in a while, you'll find that person. We found a couple people that I was really encouraged by. Man, they, they just like were really working at things. But every once in a while, you'll come across that. But, but for the most part, you find people that just kind of go, this is it. And yet, we're in this place where there's, they have this, when it comes to material things, they have a poverty mindset. But when it comes to spiritual things, they have an abundance mindset. I'm wearing this not because I love neon green. Um, I'm wearing it because it was given to me by a young lady that, um, that I know can't even afford to really give a gift. But she gave me this gift. And so it reminded me to just continue praying for them. Um, but also... As I was thinking about this and looking at this this week, a reminder to live a life of abundance and generosity. See, we live in a, where we have abundance materially, but spiritually, if we're being really honest, we live a scarcity and poverty mindset for the most part in our culture. And we have a bunch of people that's kind of, go, oh, well, this is falling apart, and that's falling apart, and that's falling apart, and oh, I just, you know, I'm just going to, my, my life spiritually is, it's, it's basically a thin, thin line, but I'm just going to be okay with that. And then every once in a while, like, like the hole in the roof, it will literally like fall in, and then they'll go, oh, I got to fix that, right? I got to go get a piece. And, and so I'm going to go to church for, you know, six to eight weeks. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, maybe go see a counselor for my marriage twice. And I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do one nice thing for somebody. And oh, I'll start to feel a little good about myself. And then I'll just kind of go, yeah, okay, everything's good. And I'll go back to my scarcity mindset. I'll go back to my mindset that, well, this is just kind of the way things are. I'm not really ever going to take the time to focus, to say, God, what do you really want for me? What kind of spiritual house do you want me to live in, God? Instead, I'm just going to live in this, this spiritual mess and just keep settling for that because I don't want to take the effort. I don't want to put the work in that it's going to take for me to live in a spiritually abundant life. And then we're an American church that's just blowing around like a tumbleweed. Are you living in the desert spiritually? Or are you living by the riverbank? Are your roots deep? And are you planted where you have a source that is constantly feeding your life and you know where that source is coming from? And, and you're... you're being nurtured by that source. You're, being, you're growing because of that source. You're getting what you need in life because of that source and you're trusting in that source rather than trusting in yourself. 
See, it's through practicing. One of the reasons those, the people in Honduras are so generous, and I'll tell you, man, if you, if you go, that's one of the hardest things. You go, and these people that you know have nothing, they're giving you a gift. I mean, my wife and I received probably seven, eight different gifts while we were there. And, and you're looking and going, yeah, but I, you know, I, wanna, I, I should be doing for you. I should be giving for you. But they have this mindset, this generosity, and, and, and even with each other, you see they take care of each other. When, when someone doesn't have food, some of the other people make sure they, they have a little food. They, 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 they do what it takes because they've gotten out of that mindset, but it takes practice. If you want to have an abundant, generous mindset, you've got to start practicing abundance and generosity in your life. See, because as long as it's always about you, you'll always, there's never enough. Did you ever notice that? When you focus on you, there's never enough. You start thinking about what toys you need. Guess what? There's never enough toys. I need another toy. I've got this one month where I have no toy to use. What am I going to do? Oh my gosh, right? I've got to have another toy to fit that month in, right? Because then, you know, I only go to church. Otherwise, I won't have an excuse not to go to church. Anyway, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> But, right, we, we've got to have these, these, this stuff. We've got to have, uh, and, and, you know, as long as I'm focused on myself, I look at my house and, oh, look at their house. They have a better house. As long as I'm focused on myself, I look at my car or truck or whatever. My truck's, you know, oh, this truck's like six years old. So-and-so just got a new truck, right? And when, as long as I'm focused on myself, there is never enough. I am always in a scarcity mindset. But when I focus on others, I learn to have an abundant mindset. I learn to have a generosity mindset. Next, Jeremiah says this. He says, that person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But the blessed person, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream that does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Where you put your trust will determine whether or not you are going to live a life that is barren, or you're going to live a life that will bear fruit. Where you put your trust will determine if you're going to live a life that's barren or a life that will bear fruit. What do I mean by fruit? The fruit of our life is the impact we have on others. The fruit of our life is those that we draw closer to Christ. Those that we bring hope to. Those that we bring peace to. Those that we bring joy to. That's the fruit of your life. I'll ask you the same thing. I ask, when I was a youth pastor, I would ask my seniors in high school the same thing every year. I'd say, you know what, you're getting to a place where you're going to, the next decisions you make in your life are going to have a huge impact on your life. I would ask them this. You want your life to matter. 
Or do you want your life to be about something else? Making money, acquiring things, happiness, I don't know. But do you want it to matter, or do you want it to be about something else? Almost everyone will answer, and you probably answered this in your head at some level. Some people will answer, I want it to matter. Others will say, well, both. Great, both, because you can have both. But one will always take precedent over the other. Every decision you make, this is just psychology. This is, you take this outside of the church, you don't have to you know, believe in God at all to believe this. Every decision you make, we all have a priority scale in our head. And one priority will always win over the other. Right? For instance, you might not believe in violence until someone attacks your children or wife. Right? You might be like, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a violent person, but you, you physically attack my child, I'm going to physically attack you. Attack you. Right? Or you might, whatever that, whatever that is, you, you, you have a priority. And so this morning, I would just ask you, is it your priority that your life will matter? Is it your priority that your life will have an impact on others? Or is it just something you kind of hope happens along the way? If it's something that you hope happens along the way, chances are you're not going to see a lot of fruit. You will every now and then. And if you're following Christ and you're reading the Word and you're going to church, you'll, you'll see little things happen here and there and you'll have a little fruit. But notice what, what Jesus said. He said, my Father, those that do bear fruit, He's pruning them so that they'll bear more fruit. God wants to prune you. He wants, and the way to help, one of the ways to help him do that is to make it your priority that your life is going to matter. Your life is going to impact someone. Your life is going to impact others. Will you make, a deci- will you make decisions in your life that are going to help you make more money? Or are you going to make decisions in your life that are going to make a difference in other people's lives? Are you going to make decisions in your life that will help you be happier? Or decisions that will help impact other people? Are you going to make decisions that will help you obtain more? Or decisions that will bless others? One will always win out of the other. And if you want it to matter, here's what I'll say. Start small. Someday you want to do something big with your money? Well, start small. Start, start giving small. Maybe it's, maybe it's sponsoring one of these children we talk about. Maybe it's, maybe it's giving to the church. Maybe it's giving to something else. If you don't trust giving your money to the church, I don't then. I don't care. Give it somewhere else. But learn to be a generous person. Start serving. Think, think through your week. Think through your month. When was the last time you went out of your way to serve somebody for yourself? I mean, not, it had nothing to do with helping you. You just you went out of your way to serve somebody. Start making it a practice, and you will find God's fruit developing in your life. Finally, ask yourself this. Am I helping anyone develop as a disciple? Am I helping anyone develop as a disciple? Or am I just a taker? Am I constantly looking for how I'm going to grow? Because you know the best way to grow is to help other people grow. You want to grow? Help other people grow. 
All you got to do, do is be one day ahead of them. I know a lot of people think, oh, I would disciple someone. I would work alongside someone. I'd, I'd help someone understand, but I have so much stuff I don't understand myself. Okay, then find someone who just understands a little less than you. No biggie. Right? That's how we raise children. Right? I mean, <laughs> I'll close with this. Deep roots will make your life sustain in any season. Are you feeling like you're blown around? Develop deep deep roots. Trust in the right source. Let's pray. God, I thank you um, that you are uh, a God that provides in all things. God, I ask that uh, you would just help us to be a people that trust you um, through every season of life. Um, God, that we be a people that seek to be rooted in you to seek to have an abundance in life, not a scarcity of life mindset. I pray these things in your name. Amen. We're going to head into our time of communion, and as we do, I just want to encourage you. Um, this is a great time for you to just come before God and say, God, I've kind of had the scarcity mindset. I'm, I'm this barren branch, and I want my life to bear fruit. This is a great time for you to, to commune, to have a personal time with him. Um, go ahead and that's just going to go ahead and start passing the elements. As they do, I just want to remind you, you, you just uh, to just take the elements and then at your own time during this time of worship as we close out the service, go ahead and feel free to just take, take the communion elements at your own time and then you can dispose of the cups when you leave. Um, but use this time. Use this time to come before God and say, God, maybe, maybe I need to be pruned. God, Prune me. God, I, I, maybe I need to be connected. I've just been living out on my own. God, I, I, I want to seek you.